0: This week, we start a new series, and it's titled, Jesus in His Own Words, the Seven I Am Statements of Jesus in the Gospel of John. Actually, there are more than seven, but there are kind of seven um, big ones that people talk a lot about. I am the bread of life. I'm the door. I'm the light of the world. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, And so... You were challenged last week to begin to read the Gospel of John, and I encourage you to do that, uh, very accessible Gospel, the Gospel of John, and we're going to be in it between now and Easter, a great time to focus on Jesus. Who is Jesus? Because we are in, this, in, in the uh, season of Lent, and we will be remembering Christ's sacrifice on the cross and celebrating His resurrection from the dead on Easter, Right? By the way, I want to encourage you now to begin praying for and seeking an opportunity to invite a friend to church during this season. Uh, The studies all say that it's a surprisingly high percentage of people who say, if someone would invite me to church, I'd go with them. I'd go with them. And, of course, Christmas and Easter, people are even more inclined to say, sure, you know, that's a big religious, cultural event here in America, I'll go with you to church on Easter. And we will be very intentional uh, during this season to be um, lifting Christ up as the hope of the world. So today we are, we are looking at the Jesus as the bread of life. I am the bread of life. And I have here with me a honey white from Great Harvest Bread Company. They should pay me to do this promo because this is a very good piece of bread here. Uh, I highly recommend it. The Honey White. And I don't like to just eat bread all by itself, so I brought myself some butter. And no, none of this margin stuff that's supposed to make me live longer but not be as happy with life on the, jo- on the way, right? So it's like, I don't know, maybe a couple months I'm losing for real butter. I don't know. I don't really care. I want my real butter. Canola stuff. Oh, Serena, please stop with the canola. But she also brings me the real butter too. So, oh, and then I've got a peach jam. I can't remember who made this for me. Somebody gave me this. If it was you, I apologize for not remembering, but it's amazing. Rose petal, rose petal jelly. As long as it's Jesus, you got the whole sermon today. You you got the whole sermon. You know, I'll bring this to the membership class today. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Okay. Put this over here. That was a good bread. If you get one thing from today, it's this. As necessary as bread is for the body... Jesus is for the soul. That's what Jesus is saying today. I'm the bread of life. We cannot live without bread. We cannot live without Jesus. If you cut yourself off from food, your body will shrivel up and die. If you cut yourself off from Jesus, your soul will shrivel up and die. Jesus is absolutely necessary for you to have life of the soul. Turn in your Bibles, please, to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. That's where this, I am the bread of life, is found. The background to this statement is a miracle. Jesus fed 5,000 people with little five little loaves of bread and two little fish that a a boy had brought with him as he came to hear Jesus teach, Jesus the the famous rabbi. And Jesus multiplied that and fed 5,000 people. And the people were pretty excited about this miracle. Oh, man, our bellies have been full. Uh, And so let's let's just keep following Jesus, see what else he's going to do for us. Now, Jesus and his disciples... After performing that miracle, Jesus uh, crossed the Sea of Galilee, and he was now on the other side, uh, purposely trying to get away from the crowd. But the crowd, they wanted to hang out with Jesus. They wanted some more of this type of miracle. And so they follow him, and they eventually catch up with him. And in uh, in chapter 6 of John, verse 26, we read this. Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. In other words, the purpose of the miracle was to demonstrate who I am. I am the Messiah. The prophets foretold my coming, and you should recognize in in this miracle, proof of uh, of my identity, and that's what should be exciting to you is, wow, what, what does the coming of Jesus mean for my soul? But instead, what, what you got you all excited is the fact that your bellies are full. And so you're coming, you know, you're, you've, you're chasing me because you want more physical food. You want uh, your bellies to be full. Verse 27 do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. Don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life. And Jesus is saying, guys, I want you to prioritize the soul above the body, because the soul's eternal. The body is temporary. and But that's not what the the crowd is doing, right? And that's not what most people do. Uh, We are very aware of our body, and we live in a, a material world, and it gets the lion's share of our time and energy and attention. And Jesus says, don't work for food that perishes, but for food that endures to eternal life. No, he he doesn't say, you know, ignore your body. He knows. Elsewhere he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things will be added unto you. Your father knows that you have need of food and, and clothing and shelter. Right? Um, but, but you need to prioritize your soul. Prioritize your soul. And this is a a, a corrective for all of us. A corrective for all of us. Uh, I way too often uh, prioritize the body more than the soul. And so what does it look like to prioritize the soul? We're going to talk about that in a little bit. But I want you to just wrestle in your, within, within yourself. Ask yourself this question. If I were to truly rank my priorities is my soul ranked above my body or is my body ranked above my soul so when your body is a priority uh, you're spending your time and energy and resources making sure that your body is comfortable safe right happy pl- uh, pleased and so you know un- we're not content with just clothes we want designer clothes we don't just need transportation we want super cool looking transportation and, and the bigger house and not just a day off a week we, we want to go on vacation and we need to go somewhere warm and I'm with you on that right I'm there as well but it ends up it ends up taking a lot of our time and, and attention energy resources as we seek to um, take care of the body and Jesus says look what about your soul your soul actually more important. What are you doing to take care of your soul? I heard a pastor one time uh, bemoaning uh, how how many parents, Christian parents, their kids aren't in youth group, their kids aren't uh, always attending church on Sunday because of this sports craze. And he's like, "Look, you know, how can Christian parents be so prioritizing their kid being excellent in soccer or some other sport that they?" They are, you know, keeping their kids out of soul-developing um, participation. Soul, and, and he just thought that that was quite, you know, a quite a, a short-sighted. And that's the kind of thing Jesus is talking about, right? When you prioritize your soul over your body, then maybe, maybe it means I'm going to spend less time on the couch surfing the Internet. You know, I, maybe I'll get up a little earlier do my devotions, right, rather than you know head out all weekend long, I'm going to make sure that I get to church at some point during the weekend, and on and on it goes. It, it ends up, when you prioritize the soul, or I should say you know you're prioritizing the soul when you're spending time and energy and resources on developing the soul. Don't work for food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, the God the Father has set his seal. Verse 28, then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? The crowd's with Jesus at this point. Oh, yeah, God wants us to, to work. Uh, okay, what is it that God wants us to do? So we're willing to, you know, we're willing to put effort in for the benefit of our soul. What is it that God wants from us? Verse 29, and this is something you might want to underline in your Bible because there are, there are lots of things Jesus does not say here that are important. He doesn't say, I want you fasting more often. Uh, I want you to observe the, uh, all the religious holidays more rigorously or the Sabbath more rigorously. I want you to eat uh, kosher more often. I want you to sacrifice more that's not what Jesus says. Verse 29, Jesus answered them, this is the work of God. Right? This is what God wants from you. That you believe in him whom he has sent. Crowds saying, what does God want us to do? And Jesus says, what God wants you to do is believe in the one that he has sent. And who's the one he sent? Jesus. What God wants from you at its most basic level, is believe in Jesus Christ. That's what matters to God. Ethical living, serving the church, growing in Christ-likeness, these, these are all, these matter to God. Uh, but, but that matters nothing at all to God if it's not built upon the foundation of belief in Jesus, right? If it's a, If it's in any way, if you're, Good deeds, your religious activity, is in any way a substitute for faith in God's Son, Jesus. Uh, it does not please God, period. Verse 30, so they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? So the, the people are saying, oh, Jesus is, wants us to believe in him. Okay, okay then you need to do a miracle, which is kind of ironic because he just did a big miracle that got them all following him, right? He just fed 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. Why do they need another miracle? Well, it's because their hearts are hard and because I think they're angling. Notice what they say here. Verse 31, Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it's written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Verse 31, I think they're angling, you know, hey, you need to perform a, a perform a sign for us so that we believe, and might we recommend to you a sign like the manna sign, right? For 40 years, God fed his people with manna, and we just saw you do a little food miracle. Why don't you do a manna kite type miracle? And I, I, think they're, I think they are thinking about their bellies. Jesus has just told them prioritize your soul over your body. They have not gotten it. This is one of the hardest things for people. There are people who follow Jesus. There are a whole lot of people who follow Jesus because of what Jesus can what they think Jesus can and will do for them in this world with the body, right? He's going to keep me healthy. He's going to make sure that my business thrives. He's going to make sure that my relationships are meaningful and exciting and he's going to make sure my kids don't rebel and that they succeed in life and right? It I'm going to follow Jesus, and I'll actually be a really good follower of Jesus, and then Jesus will give me the life that I've always wanted, which is basically the American dream. And so, you know, we, that's why we have the health and wealth gospel. You know, follow Jesus, and he'll give you health, and he'll give you wealth. And people, it matters so much to people that if you promise them that, you're going to fill your church. I mean, I'm being a bit... Hyperbolic here, but that's that's what a lot of people want to hear. Jesus will give you that good earthly life. Follow him. Oh, I want a good earthly life. Okay, I'll follow Jesus. That's where they are. Hey, do a sign. Why don't you do one of those manna signs and uh, feed us for 40 years? That'd be awesome. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, By the way, there are four of these truly, truly, I say to you statements in this text. And from them come our big takeaways. Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Moses didn't feed you with manna, by the way. It was God, my Father, who fed you. And he feeds you now with the bread from heaven. Uh... The true bread from heaven, which, of course, is himself. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread of God is not manna. It's a person. It's he. It's Jesus. Jesus is the bread of God who comes down from heaven. Jesus, the second person of the Trinity who pre-existed this, uh, who has always existed, and was with the Father in heaven. He came down from heaven to earth and gives life to the world. And he gives life to the world by giving up his own life on the cross. They said to him, verse 34, Sir, give us this bread always. Okay, if they're hearing him, what they're really asking for is give us you but we'll see as he gets, we get farther into this, they don't really want Jesus. They, they're still thinking, you know, very, world, very uh, t- earthly, materially. Verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He's just getting increasingly direct. I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger. Whoever believes in me shall never thirst. So, Jesus provides, God provides Jesus as food for our soul. Your soul is hungry. God has provided food for your soul. And who is, and it's a person, who is the food for your soul that God has provided? Jesus. Did God provide Muhammad? Did he he provide the Buddha? Did he provide one of the Hindu gods? Did he provide a great uh, moral philosophy? Did he provide e- a standard of ethical living? Did he provide a list of good deeds for you to do to feed your soul? No. I am the bread of life. God provided Jesus Christ as food for our soul. Verse 36, But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet do not believe. Many in that crowd did not believe. Some did, but many did not. They've seen Jesus, the bread of heaven, and they don't believe that he will satisfy their soul. Verse 37, All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. And he'll talk a little, we'll talk a little bit more about this. But notice there, all that the Father gives me, people, God gives Jesus followers. And all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I'll never cast out. There is in this text, and we'll talk a little bit more about it, but there's a tension between uh, a clear teaching on the sovereign choice of God to draw people to Jesus... And there's also the clear promise that whoever believes in me shall never uh, thirst and shall never be cast out. Whoever comes to me will never be cast out. That, yes, God is sovereignly choosing, and, yet, and, and we at the same time have a choice. And that, that's just a tension in the Bible It exists. Verse 38, For I have come down from heaven... Not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Well, there's the son's uh, subordination to the father. His willingness to uh, be obedient, even to the point of death, the Bible says, on the cross. Verse 39, and this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Nobody God Gives me, I will I lose. Uh, I'm going to raise them all up. They're all going to get resurrected from the dead. They're all going to be with me in heaven. Verse 40. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in Him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. There's another verse to underline in your Bible. What is the will of God? For this is the will of my Father. This is what God wants. This is his heartbeat. And what is it? That everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I'll raise him up on the last day. Sometimes we need verses that are just this simple and clear to remind us of what's truly important to God. Believe in Jesus, my Son. If you do that, He's going to give you eternal life. God wants people to, to believe in His Son, Jesus. God wants people to be enamored with Christ. God wants is lifting Christ up as the Savior. And He wants us to believe. Verse 41, So the Jews grumbled about Him. Because he said, now isn't that interesting? I Now I would think you'd read verse, you'd hear verse 40. The will of my father is that everyone who looks on the son and believes in him should have eternal life. And I'll raise him up on the last day. I would think everybody goes, what an incredible offer. What a promise. Resurrection from the dead, eternal life, all by just believing in, in you. That's You know, that's simple, and the payoff is incredible. And you would think that the people would be thrilled with this gospel, this good news. But man, the hardness of the human heart. And so what do we find? Rather than rejoicing and faith, we find grumbling. So the Jews grumbled about him. Now, not every one of them, but the majority. Because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They didn't like that, right? They're getting their their eyes are opening more and more to what it is Jesus is truly saying, and they're realizing, right? They're there following Jesus because they believe that he's a great rabbi. There were other rabbis in the land, and these ra- rabbis would help you in you know follow, help you know God and do right in God's eyes. So they're religious teachers. They're prepared for that. They're even prepared for Jesus giving them a a list of things to do. But when Jesus starts to say, (laughs) I am God's feast for your soul. Come to me, believe in me. and, And that's all God wants from you. And if you do that, You'll get eternal life, and I'll raise you up on the last day. Whoa. They're not, they're not okay with that. That's too far, too much. Verse 42, they said, Is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I've come down from heaven? We know your parents. You know, you're know, you just a human like the rest of us. And you are, you are ascribing to yourself... Great claims, and we can't go there. We can't believe that. 43, Jesus answered them, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father, talking about himself. But look at that. Look at 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And all who have been taught by God, they've heard and learned from the Father, they come to me. So here is one of these places in the Bible where it's super, super clear that no one becomes a Christian apart from God drawing them. No hardened heart repents apart from God, softening it. Uh, Nobody sees in the gospel good news for me unless God takes the scales off their eyes. Salvation is always the work of God. It's the work of God in what Christ did, and it's also the work of God in even drawing us. That is a clear teaching of the Bible. But another clear teaching of the Bible is uh, we have a choice to make. You have a choice. I have a choice. Whoever comes to me, I'll no wise cast out, right? That whosoever believes shall not perish. And many other scriptures that talk about, here's a promise. To as many as received him, to them gave you the, power, the right to become children of God, You you have a choice to make. But behind the scenes, there is God the Father. And some people say, well, you know, if God draws and people he draws come to faith in Christ, then how can I be accountable for my unbelief? Well, Romans says you are. And and that's just the way it is. (laughs) You have a responsibility. And it's this is a tension in scripture that Christians have wrestled with throughout the centuries. And I'm not going to be able to unravel that right now, or (laughs) ever. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. I imagine him beating his chest. This is the bread that comes down from heaven. So that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. Wow. What what a statement. Now, Sometimes you'll encounter people who say, you know, it was the later followers of Jesus who, who kind of redefined Jesus. Jesus didn't claim divinity for himself, right? He was a rabbi, and he was content being just a rabbi. And it was the later Christians that kind of went back and altered the story and started viewing Jesus as divine. Well, unless they're completely making up these kind of uh, stories, Jesus absolutely <laughs> was declaring himself divine, the Son of the Father. I came down from heaven. I am the bread of eternal life. You eat me and you'll never die." Oh Jesus, Jesus is the one who provoked the religious leaders to kill him because his claims were so outlandish. So here's the big takeaway from this truly, truly. It's those who feed on Jesus live eternally. Think about that. What a claim. If you feed your soul on me, you're going to live forever. I'll raise you up on the last day. Come to me. Believe in me. Feed on me. And you will live forever. Now, if you think of Jesus as the bread of life, I had to take the first bite, right? And it was sitting here uh, untouched until this morning when I cut myself off a nice chunk of bread and I took a bite. And so, you know, there's a point in time in which you take your first bite of Jesus. And the Bible talks about that as repent and believe. And you say, I'm done with myself, and trying to be king of my own life and I'm going to embrace Jesus as savior and lord and I'm going to follow him and and by faith you take your first bite of Jesus. And that's necessary. You know, if you don't do that, your soul's dead. But there's another principle here I think which is Im- embedded right in Jesus' statement, and of course, the rest of the Bible talks about. And it's the importance of feeding on Jesus every single day. Right? You can't just eat one meal and then live life. You know, the, uh, the farther away you are, your body is from your last meal, the 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 more malnourished you become. In the same way with your soul, you know, if you're trying to if you're trying to coast spiritually off of some high you had at camp. A year ago or some you know special religious conference six months ago or even I went to church a month ago the principle is you feed on Jesus every day if you want your soul to truly be healthy and I see that here in where he talks about the manna and he contrasts feeding on him with feeding on the manna he says your 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 fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they died Whereas if you feed on me, you, you will live. But the manna, I, want, I think it's instructive to think about the manna. So if you remember, the Jews in the wilderness, they had been set free by miraculously from slavery in Egypt. They're out in the wilderness. Uh, and God, for 40 years, he feeds them with manna. And manna was this little flaky substance that tasted a little bit like honey, and it was just out on the ground. And every day the people of God went out and they collected their manna. And God told them, you collect the manna for that day. The only time you can, it will hold over is on the Sabbath, right? But, so some of the Israelites thought, oh, we're going to collect more manna today and we'll just hold on to it. Well, the next day it was filled with maggots and God reiterated, I will provide every day for that day and i think it's that i think that spiritual principle is at work with our soul we feed on jesus every single day and if we'll do that we will be spiritually strong spiritually healthy right so how do you feed on jesus the people of god for 2000 years have identified the spiritual disciplines as key ways that we feed on Jesus. And uh, those include, you, know, you can actually go look up spiritual disciplines, and, uh, but reading your Bible, praying, attending church, talking about Jesus with others, fasting, right? The ways that you are putting your soul in connection with Jesus Christ. And so for me so so much of feeding on Jesus it takes time, right? I have to just set time aside to be with Jesus. I can't rush it. And I can't I have to bring me, the real me to the table. Not just here are the things going on in my life, I need you I need help with Lord. But I come and I talk about my, I need to bring him my internal struggles. Here's what I'm scared about. This is what's making me angry. <laughs> you know, th- these are my hopes and my desires that are unmet. And all, you, you bring the, the more that I bring me, the real me to, to Christ and take time to hear from his word and, and just be quiet and let the Holy Spirit talk to me you know that stuff is feeding on Jesus and i don't i just don't know a substitute to that it just takes time to spend you have to spend time with the lord and feed on him and 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 if we will do that every single day our souls will be healthy so that might be that might be right now we're in lent and uh, we've been challenged, Sabrina's been challenging us to use the Seek God for the City devotional book. And there's an app for that, Seek, what is it, Seek? Seek God 2022, Seek God 2022 is the app because we ran out of books. But yeah, do that first every day during Lent and you will find that your soul is being fed in a rich way. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. I believe Jesus is thinking ahead to the cross when he's going to lay his life down. Verse 52, the Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They're disputing amongst themselves. And I suspect that some of the Jews are telling the other Jews, He's talking metaphorically, man. He's not saying he's not promoting cannibalism. And maybe others are like, well, but maybe he's going to turn his body into actual bread that we can feast on, and that's going to be the miracle like like the manna. I mean, who knows what they're thinking. Verse 53, so Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I'll raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. I think Jesus just presses presses the point to a place where they, they have to recognize he's either Talking cannibalism, or he's talking metaphorically here, right? He is saying, you've got to feed your soul on me. But the takeaway I see from this point is is this. Apart from Jesus, there, there is no food for your soul. Right? Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you, there's no spiritual life apart from Jesus. Right? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says later in John. And so, this very popular idea that what God cares about is our sincerity. He doesn't care about the religious path you're on. Fivefold uh, path, the eight eightfold, the eight noblefold path of the Buddha. Uh, the five pillars of Islam, right, the, um, all that kind of stuff, that's, those are not alternative routes to God. You can have a healthy soul with any religion just as long as you follow it sincerely because they're all equally valid. That is not the teaching of the Bible. That is not the teaching of Jesus Christ, right? Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. I am the bread of life. God has provided me to you. Feast on me, your soul will live forever. But if you, if you go anywhere else, if you feast on any, anyone else or anything else, you have no life. It, it's, it's me or nothing. Verse 58, this is the bread that came down from heaven, not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. So Jesus has been very clear. How's the crowd going to respond? Well, John tells us. Verse 60, when many of his disciples heard it, they said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to it? Verse 66, after this, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. So it's not saying that many of the crowd, those who had come to check it out, it's saying many of his disciples, those people who, had, who self-professed to be followers of Jesus, he's my rabbi. Jesus had had taken them to a place they were not willing to go. I cannot follow you there, Jesus. This is a hard saying. Who can listen to it? Feast on me, you'll have eternal life. Apart from me, you can't have eternal life. You're setting yourself up as the bread from heaven to nourish our soul. This is too much. Many of his disciples turn back, no longer walk with him. I think Jesus is looking at this crowd of probably thousands of people and one and two and five and ten and fifty and a hundred and thousands just start walking away. They can't go there. They won't go there. Verse 67, So Jesus said to the twelve, the 12 apostles themselves. I think it's so many leaving that Jesus turns to the 12 and he says, do you want to go away as well? Simon Peter answered him, we beat Peter up a lot. But man, sometimes he, he has tremendous faith. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. The great confession of Peter. What Peter does not say is, no, 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 we understand exactly what you're saying. It all makes sense to us. We're just a whole lot smarter than the rest of the crowd. We don't have a problem with what they saying. What he's saying is, we don't have, it. We don't have anywhere else to go. We have come to learn that you are the bread of heaven. You're the Holy One of God. And, and so we're here to learn. We're here to follow. And that's where you have to go. You have to get as a Christian. You have to get to a place where you just say, uh, you stop reading Jesus' teachings with a, a, a skepticism in your heart and i will be the final judge whether or not i think jesus's teaching is a you know relevant to me or will work in my life in my particular situation you you have to come to a place where you just say jesus is the son of the most high he is the bread of heaven he's the one i feast on he's the one i listen to and he's going to teach me things that i don't yet know and he's going to challenge me in in things and But I am I'm here to feast on Jesus and whatever he wherever he leads me will lead me to life and ultimately it'll lead me to the resurrection and life everlasting. Jesus Christ, the bread of heaven. How can you feed on him more? Let's pray.